Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Be back home. We, uh, we have literally been on the mountaintop, physically and spiritually. Uh, we have just come back from Toccoa Falls, Georgia, uh, way up in the mountains, uh, and it has been a blessing for uh, our youth uh, just to, to meet and greet with the Lord. And I've got to be honest with you, when I took them up there, uh, I really felt that this camp was for them. And it was, but I think it was more for me than them. Uh, you know, sometimes as a leader, you go places and you just kind of sit back and, and kick it into neutral. And I just thought, well, you know, this is going to be a good week for me. I'm just going to kick it back into neutral and, and take it easy. And from the very first night when worship began... The Holy Spirit started dealing with me. I thought, okay, this is maybe not for the kids. Maybe this is for me. And uh, by the last night, man, God had just really gripped our hearts and changed it. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Um, I wanted to, to speak to you this morning on the subject, more than a mountaintop experience. We all need mountaintop experiences. We must have them. We were blessed this past week to have one basically Monday through Friday. And uh, believe it or not, if you haven't figured this out, you had a mountaintop experience in here this morning. When you are able to get before the Lord and worship Him, and you're able to meet the fellow believers of Christ and love on them and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, that is a mountaintop. And we have to have a mountaintop experience in order to make it in life. We have to. And I feel and, and fret that some of you are not experiencing the mountaintop of revival. And the mountaintop of the Lord's love. And that's why you're always in a lull. This morning we're going to see a man that had a mountaintop experience. In Matthew chapter 17. We're going to start with verse 1. And it says, six days later Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. Now, I already know what a high mountain feels like because there was hills everywhere we went this past week. And so it was a climb. And so they climbed up the mountain. And verse 2 says, As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that His face shone like the sun and His clothes became white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it is wonderful for us to be up here. If you want, I will make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone. And they saw only Jesus. 
As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Wow. Could you imagine being Peter, James, and John going up on the mountain and experiencing the fullness and the presence and the power of God? Now, what you may not understand, from the Old Testament all the way up to the coming of the Holy Spirit, people like you and I did not have the privilege of just embracing God's presence and God's power. In fact, you had to be a priest in order for God to be around you. So for Peter, a common fisherman, to go up on a mountain and actually experience the presence and the power of God was wow. I am so thankful that God has sent His Holy Spirit, that His presence and His power indwells and is around us every day of our lives. So every day we wake up, we can go, wow. Incredible. I want to focus real quickly this morning just on verse 4. Look at verse 4. Peter makes it real clear. Peter says, Lord, it is wonderful for us to be up here. If you want, I will make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elisha. See, Peter knew what he had experienced up on top of that mountain. Man, when he got up here, he said, Lord, man, it's good to be up here. And I want to stay. Do you ever just want to stay away from the world and just want to stay at church and in the presence and the power of God? I know I do. Peter had four good reasons why he wanted to build a shelter. And I don't blame him. The first one was that he was in the presence of God. For the first time, he really had the privilege of seeing and feeling and embracing God's presence. Peace. Ah, joy. It's almost like sitting down at Thanksgiving dinner. Just the wow, you know. But Peter had the first time privilege of being in the presence of Almighty God. Second, he also had the experience of encountering the glory of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus began to just glow. His his garments were as radiant as the sun. I mean, he literally encountered The glory of God. Man, when you get in the presence of the Lord, you glow. Man, when God's glory comes down on you, it is wonderful, church. So Peter's like, Lord, I get your presence. I'm I'm, I'm embracing your glory. Well, you just told me before we came up here on the mountain that I'm going to have to suffer for you. That I'm going to have to give everything up for you. And Lord, I really don't want to go down there and do that. Has God ever told you to give up things, to suffer for Him? And you're like, uh, maybe I didn't hear you right, Lord. I don't think I really want to do that. That's not what I want to do. If you read just the last part of verse 16, you're going to see where Jesus tells Peter, if you're going to follow me and be my disciple, you've got to give it all up. So here he is up on top of the mountain, and I don't blame Peter. I'd have been the same way. I'm experiencing God's presence. Man, I'm experiencing God's glory. And if I stay up here, I don't have to worry about giving anything up. Number four, the last thing he was going to have to do was actually encounter the world. In fact, when you go down on, when they went down on the mountain, immediately the disciples come to him and the people surround Jesus and said, your disciples could not cast out a demon. So now Peter has to deal with difficult people. 
I would have stayed up on the mountain too. Do you have people at your work that are difficult and sometimes you wish you didn't have to go to work? Yeah. Now, if you're on staff, don't be raising your hand. I know there's a difficult person at our job, but I don't know who it is. I keep looking for that person. Maybe it's me, I don't know. Peter had real good reasons not to want to come off the mountain. And I don't blame him. We spent a week up on top of the mountain this week. Worship was incredible. The preaching and just the speaking that we embraced this week was phenomenal. I mean, I watched our kids this week not only minister uh, to other kids, but let the Holy Spirit minister to them. I mean, we were up on the mountaintop. We all need mountaintop experiences. Church, you will never make it in life if you do not have a mountaintop experience. And to be honest with you, you need to have one pretty much daily. You need to be in the presence and the power of God daily. We will never experience the powerful presence of the Lord at the bottom of a mountain. We have to climb. And sometimes climbing can be difficult. Sometimes climbing up the mountain can be a challenge for us. Remember, they climbed up to the mountain. Kids, was it easy climbing the mountains this week? <laughs> On Tuesday, they went to a gorge. I didn't think some of them were going to make it out. <laughs> a three-hour trip turned into almost about a five-hour trip because of the steep climb they had to make. Church, to be honest with you, if you're ever going to experience the presence and the power of God, you have to climb through the adversity of your life. You've got to learn to climb through all the difficulties of your life. You've got to learn to press in. And you've got to learn to push in to experience that. If you don't, you will miss out. And that's exactly what, it, what happens sometimes with us. And so this morning, I basically want to give you four truths about mountaintop experiences. Four truths. Truth number one, an exposure to God is not as fulfilling as experiencing God. An exposure to God is not as fulfilling as experiencing God. You understand, Peter, for the first time in his life, when he got to the top of the mountain, he experienced God. Jesus called him to be the disciple. Yes, he followed Christ. But for the first time in Peter's life, he experienced the powerful presence of God. He wasn't no longer really a, a, just an, a spectator. He wasn't just looking. He was embracing and feeling the power of God. So often we will come to church and we just sit while people sing. We iPad and text. Well, probably not while Brother Henry preaches, but maybe while Brother Chuck preaches. We are always around it. We're exposed to it, but we are not experiencing it. And until you experience the Lord, you'll never have what you need. You can come week in and week out. You can sense and you can feel the presence and the power of God moving around you. But until you experience God in His fullness and in His love, you will be dry and washed up by Monday morning. A man with an argument is always at the mercy with a man with an experience. A man with an argument is always at the mercy with a man with an experience. <laughs> I remember 
Hey, it's going on 20 years now. My first time, now I was born and raised Southern Baptist. I was going to a Southern Baptist church um, nine months before I was born. Went to a, uh, I made my debut as, a, as like a, in my mother's womb about eight months. She was sitting up in the balcony and she had the hymn book on her, her belly and I kicked it off the balcony onto the floor. So I was already disrupting church long before I was born. I just kept on after that. Went to Southern Baptist College, Southern Baptist Seminary. But I remember I was missing something. And I still remember the first time that your senior pastor, Brother Henry, myself, Keith Collins, and Maxwell Campbell went to Pensacola. I still remember that night long before the service began. This girl was standing, sitting by me or standing by me. And I could feel the hair on my back raise up. And I could see her kind of jump and twitch. You got to remember, I had no clue at that point what was going on. So finally I said, what is going on? She said, that's the Holy Spirit. I thought maybe she had caught a cold and she was chilling or something. I didn't know. And so for the first time, I just was exposed to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But as worship began, I began to just lift my arms and sing. And we worshiped probably for over an hour. And yet I thought it was only about 10 minutes. I got lost in time. And that night when the service was over, the staff prayed for us. And that was my first true encounter of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit filling me. And my life hasn't been the same since. I just didn't have the exposure anymore. I had the experience. And as long as you come to church, and as long as you just sit on the sidelines and you watch, all you have is an exposure presentation. You don't have the experience. It's kind of like window shopping. Who likes to shop in here? See, now I'm, I'm a weird guy. I love to shop. In fact, when, when it's time to go school shopping or whatever, Jennifer says, just take the girls. Have fun. Man, I love to go shopping. One of my best times of shopping is like about every three months I have to take my vehicle to be serviced. So I give it to the dealer and they, they're servicing it. So I get to go out and sit in all the new cars and trucks. Oh, I love the smell of a new vehicle. Y'all like the new smell of a new vehicle? Oh, the smell of a new vehicle? Man, if I could find deodorant like that, I would wear that. Man, that stuff is great. Man, I just love to sit and, and, and look at the console and, and look at the shifts and look at the seating and look at all the gadgets that are in it. I mean, man, it's incredible. And then after about an hour, I get the call, your, your car's done, your van's done. And so I drive off the lot with my old vehicle off the lot. Had the exposure to a new one, the smell, the excitement. But when I drive off, I'm in my old one. Some of you come to church week in and week out. You experience the fullness of the Lord as you see it. But when you leave here, you drive out with your old body, your old mind, and your old spirit. Never experiencing the true fullness of Jesus Christ. My friend, the mountaintop is great. Exposure to Jesus is alright, but when you experience Him, it changes your life. The second thing is, this, is that a high of God is not as impacting as the holiness of God. You understand that? Man, you can get in a worship service and woo, it is great and it is awesome. And it's great to be high on Jesus. But let me tell you what, that highness will wear off come Monday morning. But if you have the holiness of God in your life, and in your heart, and it is living in you, breathing in you, man, you will live it 
I love what uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul says. Dr. R.C. Sproul says, The holiness of God affects every aspect of our lives. Every aspect. Economics, politics, athletics, romance, everything in which we are involved in. Everything we do, church, should be based upon, should be built upon, not the high of God, but the holiness of God. We all need, we all need that. If you are coming to church only for a fix, man, I'm dragging today, I've got to get a fix from the Lord. So you come in and, man, you hear the great worship service, you get the great preaching, and you walk out saying, woo, it's good. And Monday morning you wake up and you go, oh, Lord, it's Monday. All you've had is a fix. And too many people want a fix from God rather than allowing God to fix them. And we need to allow God to fix us. This is not the drive-thru. Everybody, y'all have the drive-thru experience, right? Like you pull up through the drive-thru and you really want like um, your meal done in less than a minute. And if it's not less than a minute, then you're upset because you want to just to zip in and zip out. I mean, y'all have all had the drive-thru experience, right? You, you like, you're, I'm going through the drive-thru because I'm in a hurry. And the person takes forever to get your stuff. And you're like, no, I want to drive-thru. We have a drive-thru mentality in America. We pull up to the drive-thru window at church on Sunday morning. We say, God, just wave your magic hand. Change me, change me, whatever you want to do, Lord. And I just want to drive out and, and just enjoy my life the way it is. And it doesn't work that way. That's a drug. The last time I checked, the reason why people take drugs is to escape their reality. To escape their problems. And if you're only coming to church on Sunday morning to escape the world, to escape your problem, you're no different than the drug addict. You should come to church to say, God, I want to worship you and I want you to fill me so when I walk, to, when I walk on my job tomorrow, people will know that I'm yours. That's what they should see in your life. And we have to learn not to get high on God, but to allow God's holiness to be in our life. Third, the third thing about this, the fourth truth, is that your silence of God is not as life-changing as sharing the love of God. We're too quiet anymore about God's love. You know what's neat about God's love? Is that it should be so overwhelming in your life you'll want to share it. I know it's scary sometimes to share it. I had a, had a, a person in our youth group this past week said, for some reason, the Holy Spirit told me to contact a person. And so I did. And the moment I contacted them, they said, wow, how did you know? How did you know that I needed to hear that? Now, they could have said, well, I don't know, that's kind of scary. I don't think I want to do that. But because they were obedient to the Lord and they responded to the Holy Spirit, that in turn helped them to reach out to somebody who needed them. Not being silent. Speaking. Peter, as we read, did not really want to go back down to the mountain. From the mountain because he was going to have to deal with people. Listen, we all have difficult people we have to deal with. It's just life. But those difficult people need to hear the love of God. Do you realize the people that are hurting right now and hurting you, they need to hear God's love because they're hurting and they need a solution? It, here's what's kind of funny. 
I'm always amazed at people that get married. They'll spend like nine months getting ready for their wedding, working so hard, going through counseling, getting everything just right. They come to the altar, and all of a sudden you hear those two famous words, I do, and they don't anymore. You ever notice that? You ever notice how people when they get married, they say, I do, and then they don't anymore? All the things they used to do while they were dating and getting ready, they don't anymore? All the things they used to do, uh oh, I'm stepping on toes now, I can tell. <laughs> All the things you used to do, and now you don't. Why? You've gone silent, yeah. Well, men, you're not going to want to hear this one, but I'm going to give it anyway. I had this young man speaking to us at our youth group on Thursday morning. And he said, so many men want to change the world, yet they won't do the dishes. And he said, and men, until you do your dishes, you'll never change your world. Now, he had to confess. He learned that the hard way when he first got married. But I thought, good truth. We want to change the world, but we won't do the little things around the house or the little things around our job to make an impact. So guys, I'm sorry if I got you in trouble. We have to learn not to be silent anymore. We have to learn to share what God is doing in our life and how He's changing our life and how He's helping our life. For those of you who don't know, I'm a diabetic. been one for almost 41 years now. And on Thursday night after worship, we have a, a time where we meet as group, together as a church group. And I, I could tell I was running low. I said, my blood sugar's running low. I'm going to need some sugar. Well, fortunately, there was a Coke machine right outside our, our room. And I thought, great. But as I looked in my pocket, the Coke was $1.50. As I looked in my pocket, I thought, great. All I've got is a $1 bill and the rest are fives, tens, and twenties. I really don't want a pocket of change. I mean, could you imagine trying to lug around $10 worth of chain quarters in your pocket? I mean, it'd be different if I was at college and going to wash my clothes, but I wasn't. So as I'm going around to the Coke machine, I reach in my pocket, and as I reach in, I look down. Guess what was in the change holder? 50 cents. I said, Lord, I am so thankful that you care even about the littlest things in my life. All I had to do was pull out my dollar, grab the 50 cent out, got my coat, got my sugar level up. Life was great. God cares just that much for you that it's the little things in life He wants to help you with. Point number four, truth number four, your seclusion from the world is not as transforming as you shining in it. We, we want to get away from the world today. More and more churches are withdrawing and secluding from the world rather than getting involved in it. And we've got to get involved with it. I love this quote. It says, it's not how high you can jump. It's how straight you walk when you, when you land that matters. And church, it doesn't matter how high and how well we sing in here. It's how straight we walk when we walk out of this, this church building today. Do you realize that if Peter had stayed up on the mountain, a crippled man would have never walked. His shadow would have never healed people. Tabitha, a young girl that passed away, he would have never breathed life back into her. Lost souls would have never been found by Jesus Christ or saved. He'd be to stayed up there. 
But Peter didn't stay up there. He came down. He came down. He shared the love of Jesus, even to the point of death. Because he knew that's what was going to not only change his life, but change the life of others. Guys, I know it's scary. I know it's real scary to share the love of God at your work. To share what He's doing in your life at work. But we've got to start. We have to start. Just this past week, I'm talking a young, young youth heard the Holy Spirit tell him, go down front and pray for that stranger. Andy, what stranger? You're right, there are no strangers but we are followers of Christ, right? He was obedient to the Lord. And he went down front and prayed for this young, young girl. It's scary, church. But we have to be obedient. Do you realize of all we ever do is come to church and experience the worship and allow it to come into our lives and we never... Bring it back out forth. We're dead. We're dead. Let me give you an illustration in closing. There are two seas over in Israel. The first one is the Dead Sea. And I mean, it is dead. They tell us that the Dead Sea is at the lowest point in, the, in all the world. They say that the Dead Sea is 8.6 times saltier than any other sea in the world. And because it is so salty, nothing lives within it. Then there's the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is what really helps Israel to thrive. It has 27 different species of fish, vegetation. I mean, everything grows around the Sea of Galilee. Here's what's interesting. The Jordan River feeds both the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. The Jordan River empties into both of them. So why is it then that the Sea of Galilee is so refreshing and so vibrant with life and the Dead Sea is so dead and nothing grows in it? One simple rule. The Sea of Galilee actually empties back out where the Dead Sea never empties. Everything that flows into the Dead Sea stays into the Dead Sea. The things that flow into the Sea of Galilee go out of the Sea of Galilee. As long as things are flowing in you and they're going out of you, you're going to be a lively human being. But the moment the Word of God, the truth of God gets in you and it gets buried into you, you'll die. Because you're not allowing it to be emptied back out of your life. Do you realize everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did was from His Father? He tells us that. He tells us every word that I say comes from my Father. Everything that I do, I do what my Father does. In other words, when the, when the Father spoke to Christ, He did what the Father told Him. And that's why He was so full of life. When Jesus spoke to the disciples and they did what He asked them to do, they did what He asked them to do, they were full of life. As long as we hear the Word of God and allow it to embed in our life and we do nothing with it, we're going to die. Nothing. Some of you this morning are as dead as dead can be, even though you've been in church all your life. Because the only thing you've ever done 
is you've heard the Word of God, you've sung the songs of God, but you've done nothing with it. And that's why our world is dying, because we're doing nothing with the Word of God. It's time, church, that we do something with His Word. We need a mountaintop experience. I need it. You need it. But if all we're doing is getting the mountaintop experience, we're missing what Christ really called us to do. Was to love Him and love others. And it's time we start loving others. My, my youth already know this because I spoke to them this last week. Is that too many of us are being thermometers. We're allowing the culture, we're allowing everything around us to fluctuate our spiritual temperature. Sometimes we're hot, sometimes we're cold. It all depends on what's going on around us. You're just a thermometer. You're just reacting to what's going on in the environment you're in. When you really need to be a thermostat. You need to be the one that's changing your environment. You need to be the one that is setting the spiritual temperature for your household. Setting the spiritual temperature for your school, your work. You need to be doing that. And until we do that, we are going to die. Church, we've got to quit being thermometers. We've got to start being thermostats. We've got to start living the life that Christ has given to us. And until we do that, we are in deep trouble. Because if we remain silent, we will grow weary, we will grow weak, and we will die. Pray with me. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.